0: Welcome to the second episode of the CoizCast. Um, we've assembled an all-star panel for you. Uh, I am Prof. I shall hand you over to the other members of the panel to introduce
1: themselves. Hey, it's uh, I'm AC. Uh, I am the artist known as Demigod. <laughs>
2: uh, my name's J.K.S. and I'm an Alcat. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm J.K.S.
0: Well, in that case, uh, J.K.S. the Alcat. no. Um, we'll start with your thoughts on the, the Sunderland game. Uh, Your thoughts overall, and then we'll come back to some specifics.
2: Well, where to start? I think the best way to look at it is the glass half full, personally. I mean, one of the things that struck me is reading some of the reports and some of the comments that you see. I think people tend to think that it's the Sunderland from last year or the Sunderland even from the year before, whereas they seem to have greatly improved in my eyes, particularly in the game on Sunday. I mean, their midfield with... um, Blancs and Elm via caused enough problems and when they've got Toyvan who's floating around just capable to break and attack I think they're a much better side I don't think they're famous last words they're going to be in as much trouble as they were last year um, we also had the youngest side we've had in quite a while and you know it's we're missing a few key players but with all of that said the first half was pretty drab I mean you were just crying out for something to happen other than for them to score and I think after we suddenly realised that if you do this thing called play with pace, then we got dramatically better. I don't think it was necessarily to do with getting one of the players coming off being a particular issue. I think the changes that he made were positive. And uh, yeah, I thought some of the interplay for that goal seemed to be quite well drilled as if it was a positive for um, the training
0: work that gets done by the club. And um, obviously I'm going to ask you the, the key question that a lot of people on the site have been talking about, which is Son's debut. I think he did all right. I mean... I've read a fair bit of criticism
2: about his set pieces, which I think is a little unjust, to be honest. The two free kicks that he put into the box from the left-hand side were spot on. They caused enough trouble. It was just a shame that we didn't get to capitalise on them. The thing that made him look bad was the same thing that makes all of our um, set-piece takers look bad, which is we're utterly bobbins with corners. And It's no surprise because we just persist with the long corner in. If we ever tried to mix it up a little bit and just created something else which was... I don't know. We we'll just stretch the defence and maybe pull them out of position before we hump the ball in and hope that it's going to come off one of our players. I've banged on about this for a while. It's it's one of my um, one of the many bees in my bonnet. But it's just such a random choice just to fire a ball in when we've got possession into the what Big Ron would call the mixer. It just seems a waste because we're then hoping either for a second ball or to be the most accurate pass you can imagine. It just doesn't strike me that we're playing to our strength with that. So. He did, he did a lot of good things for me. I mean, it wasn't the greatest deb- debut we've seen. That would probably still go to Mido in my eyes over the last decade or so. But there were a couple of points in the second half where he got the ball out wide, and rather than just play the simple pass out to Walker, and you can leave your own gags about Walker's prowess there, he turned and looked to spread the play wide, and he fired it across the other side of the pitch to give us a
0: different attacking point. So I think there's decent signs. What were your thoughts on, on Son's debut, Demi?
1: Yeah, I thought he looked quite promising. It, it's difficult to to make too much of a concrete opinion of him because, obviously, it was only half an hour. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he adapts because he was playing in a really fast-paced Leverkusen attack. who did everything at 100 miles per hour. they were winning the ball really high up the pitch. He had loads of space to play into. So I think now he's coming to terms with maybe slightly slower tempo, and it'll be interesting to see whether we rub off on him or he rubs off on us hope days that
2: we are going to be like in bullet time for him, like in The Matrix, where everything runs so much slower at the moment.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that everyone will catch up to his pace, because he was looking to do stuff quickly. There were a couple of times where he did some nice flicks. Um, there was a chance when Chadley crossed to Walker, and Walker pulled it back, and Sun just seemed to kick air. And I thought, potentially, that was probably one of our best chances of the whole match. So he was getting in good positions... He was showing some nice feet. he used the ball fairly well on the whole, I thought he was fairly encouraging, but then when Townsend comes on and outperforms him, <laughs> you wonder if maybe there's a, there's a long way to go still
0: uh, and that's a you know you lead on to a good point there um around the substitutions and the impact that the substitutions had on on the way we played and on the tempo of the game or the style of the game. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I thought that absolutely energized the team I think. It helped that Sunderland were tiring. um just to, a quick sort of, to deviate quickly, but mm-hmm. um Carl Walker was the only player from our team that wasn't on international duty, whereas from Sunderland starting eleven they had seven, and then catamore and Rodwell were both uh both went on international duty, so they had a lot of time to work on their you know their shape, how well organized they were, and then they' you know they're full of unknowns as Jake says in terms of having Jeremy Lenz and having him via as well players that are players won't have played a lot against especially when you've got someone like Lenz coming from the U- Ukrainian league so you don't know exactly what this player's strengths are and I thought he was really deceptive going either either way and then when Townsend came on suddenly we had some of that spark of you didn't quite know what was going on that unpredictability and I thought Lamela was probably less eye-catching but maybe slightly more integral to the way that we played because straight away I mean Lamela's a, a strange player because he's incredibly frustrating but also quite good and generally whether he's going to be good or frustrating is defined in the first couple of touches that he has. And in this instance he had three really good touches. I think the first one was just a nice calm pass. The second one was a 50-yard crossfield pass to Townsend that Townsend then won a corner from. And then LaMela, the only person in our team who apparently can play in a corner, then planted the ball onto Eric Dyer's head who possibly should have scored. So in his first couple of touches, first couple of minutes on the pitch, he makes a really positive impact. And kept up that uh, sort of direct running and smart passing throughout the whole of his 20 minutes on the pitch and it was it was decisive it changed the game and really he should have scored as well
2: there's been a lot of talk about how he would cope with the fact that he was nearly farmed out and it didn't go through at the last minute and what that would have what impact that would have on him but it looked to me he's almost to have a positive as if he was going to try and show us but again it's difficult to read too much into a twenty-minute cameo, even though it was, as you know, as has been pointed out, very, very impressive. But you have to I, hope it's going to kick on.
0: I, I tend to agree with you on that. On, on both sides, um, it was very difficult for me to judge some based on the time that he spent. You can see, you see the kernels of, of skill that are there, but whether long-term that's going to mean anything, given our long history of. Positive debuts that have turned sour and vice versa. It it just is way too soon for me personally to make that kind of judgment. Um, And in terms of, well, be careful. First of all, in terms of Townsend, I really wanted to say, who is this guy who is impersonating Townsend? (laughs) Because it just didn't, it didn't look or feel. It didn't feel like him in the way he was playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that wide.
1: Yeah, the sounds from the training ground are that he's really, really good at doing like, a really disciplined role, playing it down the wing, going, out, going around the outside, and doing everything that he doesn't do that frustrates the hell out of you. And this was a rare instance where he was doing everything that you want Townsend to do and that you can do, shunning the going inside onto the left foot, mm-hmm. going down the outside, crossing it in, and he was absolutely spot on in everything he did. As the yeah. discussion
2: we had was, though, uh, back at home. It was almost as if he didn't have enough time to get into his rhythm of cut inside and shoot, but perhaps that's me just being a bit mean.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, something's got to explain it, because it, it it truly was bizarre. It wasn't like the way he's played for a long, long time. Um, going for Lamella, I've got to be careful here, because um, I think everyone knows, uh, I've been very blunt on the site about this, that um, as uh, like with every player who pulls on the Spurs jersey, uh, there's nothing I want more than for them to succeed brilliantly. Um, but I do believe he has underperformed his skill level for a long, long time, not just one or two games. Whether that's because he's been played out of position or not is another matter. Um, but so I, I don't... I'm not going to buy into Lamella's resurgence until I see it sustained over a period of time. that That's not to denigrate what I thought was an excellent cameo. Um, and really, you know, I wouldn't doubt... I never have doubts about his level of skill. However, can he sustain those levels and can he be a difference maker to the team over a long period of time? I'm still not convinced, and I think the jury, for me, is out on that one. Be yeah, I alone
2: in that, to be honest with you. I mean, we see fits and starts every now and again, but sometimes he just, he just appears as thick as mints. You just wish that he'd look up a little bit sometimes. It doesn't always have to be the over-elaborate. When he plays, it's simple. That's sometimes yes. of his most effective work. I mean, obviously, the Rabona the goal aside, but, mm-hmm. yeah. If it's easier, then sometimes he could be coached or coaxed into doing that more often.
0: Yep, I, I totally agree. Dimmy, on Thursday, we have a, a Europa League game um, against, the obviously, top-quality opposition. Um, I, I know we sent you out there earlier in the week to do some scouting. i um, looking forward to hearing your report on our opponents.
1: Well, Carabac are actually quite good. I mean, they're not amazing, but they are a tough nut to crack. I had the misfortune of watching them twice against Celtic, and they are exactly the type of team that we struggle against in terms of setting up very deep, not really coming to play. Um, not, they're not even trying to score on the counter-attack. I think they had one shot on goal in the entire match against Celtic. <laughs> so I think they had about 30% possession. So I wouldn't expect, you know, a 3-0, 4-0 win, even though they are this kind of minnow from Azerbaijan. They are, you know, kind of seasoned veterans now in the Europa League. They beat Dinipro last season, who got to the final of the Europa League. So they're, they're not mugs. They've gone to the San Siro. They know how to play in big games at big clubs. They know how to frustrate. So I think this could, unfortunately, potentially be the start of quite a, a torrid couple of weeks, really, when you look at our fixture list. Mm. Um hmm. in terms of players to watch, they've got one guy called Reynaldo, who's one of these Brazilians that seems to end up in Eastern Europe, who has scores most of their goals. And I, I would say, you know, they're un, unbeaten domestically this season. Um they pushed uh pushed Celtic close and then beat young young boys to qualify for the uh, the group stages of the Europa League. So yeah, a tough team someone not to be taken lightly, but ultimately you would expect three points nevertheless.
0: So bearing that in mind, I mean, what sort of team would you put out for us?
1: Well, I'd, I'd still you know, mix it up with youth. I certainly wouldn't say that there's such a difficult opposition that you would put out a strong team. I'd be inclined to rest Kane. I'd be inclined to give Winks a run out. Um, just because our midfield looks a little bit light at the moment with Mason possibly injured, Bentaleb injured, Dembele out. Um, I would try and rest uh, Eric Dyer. Uh, Kevin Wimmer should probably get a run out. I def- definitely think it's an opportunity to give loads of fringe players a chance. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, the mindset has to be to take them seriously.
2: Great. If I could, well, I mean, I'm not quite sure. I agree that we do need to make some changes, but at the moment, it's still at that early part of the season where we're still trying to find our feet a little bit. I mean, for me, Harry's had what 17 shots on tar- Well, 17 shots this season and none of them have gone in. I think, not to, again, uh, with all the caveats that have just been put in front of us, I think it might be a slightly easier time for him to score than in the Premiership. I'd like him to at least get some minutes out there. I do agree that there should be places maybe for Wimmer, and Trippier should probably get a run out, but that's, again, possibly my bias against Walker coming through. And there are some options for us to get some of the younger players in, but I don't want that many changes, even though I've just suggested four or five.
0: Would you I assume you'd all I don't know, would you all um give Larice a rest?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Get Vaughan, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well,
2: I mean, goalkeepers don't have that much to do. He's probably our most senior <laughs> player. I mean,
0: we are gonna need some experience out there, I suppose. Okay. Um, AC, this is your chance to shine. Um we've had a you know a few games into the season now and I wondered what your uh, opinion is and what your thoughts are on Um, I'm going to call him Toby only because I can't pronounce his last name. (laughs) So my mate Toby.
3: Yeah, I like Toby. Um, I think I said this last week when we were talking about our signings over the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's come in and is just straight away our best centre-back. And I think he's helping Vertonghen as well. I think Vertonghen probably had his best performance of the season on the weekend.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that if that's any help. I thought he was tremendous at the weekend.
3: Yeah. I thought he really controlled a lot of tough situations that we had. That bit when um, Toby like tried to close down in midfield and got bypassed by Defoe's pass. yeah. Um, and Vertonghen just backed off, backed off, backed off. And then got the tackle in at the last minute. That was really good um, at a time when we needed it. Um, I really like Alderweireld's ability to pass the ball. Um, he brings in the sort of Dawson crossfield pass, but he doesn't do it. 17 times in a match Um, he seems to be far more accurate with it and I think he brings quite a lot of calming influence to the back
0: So do you drop one of them for for let's say Fazio for the Europa League game?
3: Um, I'd I'd keep them together as a pair, if I was to drop one of them for Thursday I'd drop both of them Okay So I'd probably bring in Wimmer and Fazio if I was going to do it because I don't think we're going to be under pressure at the back, so you know have two big guys at the back if we need to.
0: Dimmy does your scouting uh, bear that out?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean they're not good. you can basically play whoever you want at the back because they're not going to be having any shots. <laughs> I don't think it really matters uh particularly. I mean one thing I'd say about Ada World is I thought I think he's not just a calming influence but I think he's got a little bit of cunning about him that most of our centre-backs do not have and haven't had for a while. And I think there was you know one moment when Defoe went through the second time. And firstly, he's adapted quite well because he's given himself an extra yard to catch up with Defoe this time. He's sent him further away from goal, and then Defoe has to cut in onto his left. And he's just grabbed his hand. And most people were like, oh, that was risky. That was really nervy defending. But I think if that's someone else, like John Terry, you would say it's really cunning, really sly, slight dark arts about it. In that he pushed the boundary of what you can get away with and he did something that hindered the player. And I think sometimes we can be a little bit soft where we either do something really stupid and just give away a penalty and it's reckless or we're just soft and sort of let the striker do what they want. I thought in that instance, Elder dictated where Defoe was going to go rather than the other way around and it was really good defending.
3: I'd like to point out at that point as well that Defoe did have a grab of his shirt as well for quite a long period. But... He kept his hand quite close to the chest, so you couldn't really see that he was doing it. So I, it wasn't anywhere near a penalty. It was, you know, half of one. Half a quick of point it, yeah. as
1: well about that that run through. I have run run the numbers, and it is the third fastest that any player has ran against Spurs. It's the it's the third <laughs> fastest time anyone's clocked. It is um, the other two being Luke Shaw and? Uh, Gerard Delafay, I don't actually remember him even being on the pitch, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so, so you know, you can still move. It's not Man, like I'm so far it's out of on This
2: podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I'll give you, I'll give
0: you a shot then, because um, I always say. In fact, even just before we started, I was talking. Just before we started this uh, cast, I was talking with AC and mentioning how, by the time you get to my age, when you're when you're in your late nineties. You um you tend to support you really do support the shirt and the club because players come and go, um and so I tend not to have players I greatly hate or greatly love, um which I'm about to make myself a hypocrite on, um because I'm going to ask you Jake about a player that I've come to really respect a great deal, uh, which is Dyer who signed a contract extension with us this week, um and really to ask you. What are your thoughts on him in general? And also, what's going to be his best position? Where will he end up? Well, um, to quote Alan Partridge, which I
2: do far too <laughs> so much, as my wife will never stop pointing out, he uh, makes me want to wear a T-shirt with crowded house written on the front. He is blinding. <laughs> going back to the of Ireland and the challenge and the fact that we need someone with a bit more dark arts and a bit of steel about him, I think Eric certainly feels that. I mean, he's he's really impressed since he first arrived and I maybe have popped on about it already but I, I can see him being our defensive midfielder I don't think there's a rush for us to get someone in in the last two games against Everton I thought he was majestic at times he's quite comfortable on the ball he's he's getting better at reading the game in front of him a, a lot more than he was in, the, in his first run outs and I think the signs of his development are really impressive I know that he played briefly there for Lisbon but he just seems the real deal at the moment I mean it's difficult not to build up players when you're looking at young players and coming through because that's what the majority of our team now is and you want them all to be brilliant. But I like the cut of his jib. He he seems, as he said, that he'll play anywhere and he has no qualms in being a little bit stronger and more forceful, even talking out or calling out other players around him. He did that a lot last season with Fazio as well. But um, yeah, there there are really positive signs. I mean, going forwards where... The tackle which took out cleverly, which was apparently there was some talk
0: about it being a bit nasty. He got he, it was a clean tackle. He got the ball first. There's no doubt about it. He's got the skills. And and so you're comfortable with him playing in that in that DM role rather than being concerned about him being a central defender. Oh yes, absolutely. I'm I'm
2: more than happy with him there. I think he does the same kind of role which other defensive midfielders have done. I mean, he's not just a DM really. He he can get forward. He's done it a few times. And his passing range is decent enough for someone in that position in terms of his development now. I think he'll get better at it. But what he also does is he allows the, the centre-backs a bit more solidity. He's more comfort, It makes it more comfortable for them knowing there is someone who, if they do want to get forward, he can drop into that spot as well. So the idea of movement from all over the pitch and us being a more attacking side, if we can do things a bit quicker, of course, I think he's going to be a real benefit for us there. I mean... The concerns originally were that Jan wasn't going to be the defender we were hoping was going to be. But again, over the last few matches, he's been getting better and better. That, the, the nucleus of the side in those three, with Jan and Toby and Eric in front of them, I think is really, becoming really solid.
3: And he could also, I mean, Dyer could also do the, what Ledley did and, you know, spend the season playing DM, improve his overall footballing ability, and then drop back.
2: Yep, but I think comparing him to Ledley. Sorry, it's just a... (laughs) No, I take your point. I mean, that's right. By getting the ability, learning a bit further
0: up the field, that'll probably help him with his distribution from the back. I still find it hard to believe we paid, what, four million for him? Yeah. Yeah,
1: about that, yeah. I mean, it's an
0: absolute
2: steal, but I mean, the the thing that seems to be important to him is the amount of faith that's been paid in him by the club since he's got here. So we've always been saying the right things for him to come and join us. And now that he's here, he seems to be quite an acolyte of Potch.
0: Absolutely. And and it's that and in, and you know how much of this is public perception. But whatever it seems that whatever we ask him to do, he does. We want you to play right back. We know you're not a right back, but we have a need there right now. Go do your best. And he does. He's nowhere near a right back, but he does his best. We need you to play centre-back. We need you to play defensive midfield. No fuss. He gives you the impression that he'll he'd do whatever you ask him to do for the team.
2: Yeah, it's almost like we've got our reserve centre-forward tucked
0: away, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us on to next weekend's game against palace and um dimmy let's if you i'm sure you've got all the stats on how they've done so far and who are their danger men and who you know which of their players are the fastest to tie their shoelaces um so if you can give us a, a bit of a rundown on palace
1: um yeah best away team in the league they've picked up more points on the away from home than any other team they are again incredibly difficult to break down away from home Really solid, organised, comfortable, settled back for, um, Maybe lost a little bit of defensive solidity in front of them because they've uh, swapped in Kabai for, um and lost Jedernik. So they've lost a little bit of tenacity, but if anything, Kabai just makes them even more of a danger on the counter-attack, and then that's where you know people will probably after the match when we lose 1-0 will be saying i wish we had a, the pace that palace have because they have these you know four blindingly quick wingers in Zahar, Balassi who can't even get in the team at the moment because Sacco's playing so well and then Jason Punchin as well so exactly the t- sort of team that we really struggle against and i think the premier league at the moment probably has the highest standard of reactive counter-attack football that it's ever had and palace are probably the best side at the moment at playing that way so it's going to be a really tough game and i yeah, i'm not looking forward to it to be honest.
3: do you think it's a bit of an overreaction at the moment
1: of people talking about palace getting into europe no i think they've got a really good chance to get into europe because they're they've got it's not quite a fortress but they're very strong at palace at selhurst park they've obviously got great backing at home as well and away from home they just seem to be absolutely perfect i mean they Beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge last season. They were picking up wins all over the place. They beat Liverpool um, at Anfield, so they really know how to win away from home. And they've got exactly the kind of setup that we struggle against. They've got the pace. You know, if you thought Defoe against Alderweireld was a bit of a mismatch, this is going to be even worse. Um, I'm still confident, though, obviously that we that, that we beat them. But yeah, they're, they're, they're we're getting that's they're, really coming yeah. across. The yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, difficult go. teams play.
0: It sounds like both the previews of both the next two games. It's like they're the worst kind of teams for us to play, and um, you know their style and their formation and their tactics are just um, you know designed to frustrate us. But I'm confident. Yeah, I mean, I don't be a,
1: a complete harbinger of doom, but it's um, we've got a bit of a rough fix of this, because obviously we've got Karabakh okay, we should be, but again, they'll be a difficult team to face. Then you've got Palace at home, who are really good away, and then Arsenal, and then you've got Man City, and then you've got Monaco, who have the best defence in Europe over the last 18 months. Then you've got to go away to Swansea, and then home to Liverpool. So we've already played three of the top six. In our next three domestic games, we play the rest of the top six. So it's a really tough run of games, and a lot of teams that play really awkward styles, and it'll be a really good test of where we are at.
2: Just to go back to the threat of Palace, though, there's, there's one thing, I mean, I get that they've been brilliant recently, and they they play devilishly attractive attacking football, but it can't just have been me that was really hoping that when Yaya Toure slid across the pitch, he also took out Alan Pardew, can
1: it? <laughs> Possibly the most... Uh... Smarmy manager there is.
2: Oh, it's just unbearable. I think that's the reason why I'm not enjoying Crystal Palace being so much improved this season. Yeah,
1: they're hard to watch. kind of football's beautiful games. to watch, but
2: it's just that afterwards you have to listen to Pardiola talking about what a fantastic manager he is and coming across with that faux humbleness. Oh, sorry. it's a, yet another bugbear of mine.
1: Well, you'll change your tune when he wins the World Cup in 2018. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be. That. Um, just just a weird sort of bypass here.
3: Um talk about interviews. How great was Tim Sherwood on on the weekend? <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that interview.
2: Yeah. I, I've seen the vine of him doing his hand gestures. It's set to rave music and just the normal ones. I think that just the footage of him flailing around was quite beautiful.
1: <laughs> he's much more entertained when he's not in charge of Spurs.
2: Yep, exactly that. <laughs> yeah. And is this our first
0: po- podcast in an buy or free world? It
1: is. Well, yeah. you did that your beautiful
0: segue. In fact, I think it was uh, brought up by AGM Spur on the forum. Uh, it was, uh, maybe was it last week? I saw a headline. And I only briefly was scanning the, the page and it said, I thought it said aid to go, but it, and I was all excited, but it wasn't. It was something to do with him not playing for Togo anymore. So I was, all <laughs> um, but then by the end of the week, it had come true. So, um, I mean, is there any downside?
3: Nope. Nope. Financial, I guess. I don't know. But
2: missing missing one more scapegoat, but I can't really (laughs) think of than that. We've still got Carl Walker, so you'll be alright. Yeah, we'll always have (laughs) Carl Walker. Unfortunately,
1: I think it's funny because in the like immediate aftermath of the transfer window closing, I felt there were three big problems that we hadn't really fixed. One was we didn't sell Adibai Or. One was that we didn't sign. A central midfielder and one was that we didn't get a backup striker to Kane. But it's sort of in the last, you know, couple of weeks, Dyer's proved that he is a very strong and capable midfielder, even if I would still like a bit more experience in there. Adiboy was left, so we're only really one striker short of having had a really good summer.
2: And we've already I agree with established that's Eric Dyer tucked away in the background. Now.
0: <laughs> but I agree with you, but it's that word only that worries me. You know any kind of injury to Kane and I Hawaii, I mean, it was the big but, you know, one, yeah. Yeah, because because you can rearrange a formation, etc., but still, but still, but still, um we've got nobody who is an out and out striker.
3: Yeah, but I mean Kane's not scoring at the moment, and we're doing okay ish.
2: We are? My my thing about this was watching the um the heights of the Liverpool game and watching Danny Ing's flail around and just thinking, I just wish I mean, I, I get that Berahino was the, the, the one that we stalked it towards the end of it, but if he'd signed for us at the start of the summer, we wouldn't be in the we're, we wouldn't be as nervous about it as we are now, and I think he'd be in a better place as well. Not just the Liverpool bias, but he must have been ruined when he saw the fact that oh, so yeah, I signed, and what you you bought Benteke for 32? and um, Firmino, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, wonder if he's questioning that a little bit. I'm not that arsed. Don't get me wrong, but it is something that just bugs me a little bit.
0: Hmm. Did was I'm not sure about this. You'd have to help me. But did Poulos come out with some comment around Berahino would never play for Spurs, or was that blown out of proportion? I think it was blown out of proportion. And
2: whilst we're on the subject, Berahino. Can we all have a moment to imagine him being taken out to dinner by Tony Pulis? (laughs) It has to be a Tony Carter, doesn't it? You can just imagine him going, you've not eaten all of that. I bet he still kept his baseball cap on as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Question for really any of you, any of you fancy, which is, um, I know if any of you, but Jake, because I don't want to destroy all the sound levels on the podcast. Um, It's, it's Walker versus Trippier. When? W- will that happen, that change?
3: I think Trippier will be perfect on Thursday, because he'll bring the ability to cross the ball in. He's not going to have to track back much, so he can just be a permanent fixture on the right-hand side, giving us width. Um, and then you could play someone like Son, just to give him minutes, get used to the team, playing right wing, and he can tuck inside and just play as a second striker almost. Uh but against Palace, I'd probably play Walker just for his recovery pace.
1: I think yeah, that's probably right. Been.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, the the baffling thing I have is that we're not playing both Rose and Walker at the same time. I get the point of the inverted wingers, if you want to call it that. But it's the issue for me is the fact that we're supposed to then have pace down the flanks to stretch the teams. And Ben Davis, for all his talents with the ball, doesn't tend to look the most rapid of players.
1: I think maybe there's two points on that. One, do we know if Danny Rose is actually fit at the moment? I'm not sure. He is completely fit to play. And then the second point, I think, is maybe it's better to have one solid, less adventurous fullback, which would be Trippier on the right and Davis on the left, and then a more attack-minded player with the pace to then bail out the rest of the defence on the other flank. So maybe... Pochino is looking at his combinations of fullbacks, so he'd rather have Davis with Walker because maybe they counterbalance each other slightly better than have and then as a different pairing he could put Rose with Trippier where you've got sort of a slightly different combination maybe Rose and Walker are a little bit too similar
2: Yeah, that's probably true that's
1: why I'm not a football coach
3: But maybe we should just always play Rose and Trippier because then we, you know
1: Yeah, I mean obviously I think that's the ideal situation hopefully we get to see it soon, yeah Yeah
0: It's time, time, chaps, for predictions. So what's your prediction for, let's start with you, AC, for the Europa League game?
3: Uh, I'm going to go, considering how well my 3-0 on the last weekend played (laughs) out, uh, I'm going to go 4-0 against (laughs) Caravag.
0: Okay, and for you, Dimi?
1: I'm going to go a nervy 2-0. A, a late 85th-minute goal to seal the points.
0: <laughs> OK. And for Jake?
1: I don't think you
2: can argue with Dimi, really, after him talking them up like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Inevitably, the now, they'll turn up and get hammered 6-0.
2: No, no, I'm going to go for a
0: couple of goals as well. I, I'll take yeah. a three. OK. Um, and the, the, the tougher game, the tougher prediction, um, we'll start with you, Jake, this time on the Palace game.
2: Uh, I'll start with the obvious of Pardew to be unbearable either way. Yep, fair, fair. Uh, Poch to be in a tracksuit and mm-hmm. probably a 1-0 away
0: win. Okay. Demi?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of inclined to agree. I would say maybe 1-1, be slightly more optimistic.
0: Well, you're making me uh, feel like I should watch the game. <laughs> I'll tell you, very depressed now. And uh, AC, what do you think? Uh,
3: I agree with Pardew will be... Awful. Uh, I think Potch will be in a suit. And, Ooh,
0: controversial there.
3: Yeah, controversial. And I'll go 2 1 win to Spurs.
2: Just to point out, the suit has got no points this season compared to the five that the track suit combo has had so far. Not that I'm keeping account on these things.
0: Eagle eyes over there. Oh,
2: yeah. You with your rapidity stats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the real deal here is the sartorial stats. That's what we need.
3: It's, the, um, it's, it's got to change, you know. The suit's got to win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you all very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And this is the end of the um quiz cast number two. Come on, you, swear. Come on, you swear.